this is my favorite time of the year to preach. I mean, it is so easy for us as Christians to talk about the death and resurrection. This is, this is what it's all about. Uh, in the life of Christ, the end of John, he tells us that many other things that Jesus do in the presence, but he says, but these are written that you might believe that he is the Son of God. The purpose of the miracles of Jesus Christ is to prove that he is the one. He is deity. He is the Messiah, the one was prophesied about way back in the Old Testament. And so sure enough, these miracles Jesus did, and then he sent out his disciples who now are apostles, the sent out ones, for the very same purpose. Now, so that we're not confusing some issues here, uh, apostle, the apostles had some really incredible abilities that God gave them, and that was to be able to go touch people who they would choose and to heal them and to undo sin's penalty. Just like this man in Acts chapter number 3 who was lame from his birth. Daily, this young man would be there at the entering in of the temple, and sure enough, he, as many of, of us who have seen beggars, are there with something, holding out their hands, or if they have something for people to throw money into, a little bit of gold, a little silver, something to give them, a little bit of bread for the day. They're waiting and anticipating something little. Some of you who have gone to third world countries have seen people hurting. Now, we, we've got him here around the area. You know, once in a while, I'll see the one guy down in Goshen area. Um, and he was a vet, and uh, he stands out there, and, and once in a while, we'll get him some food, and we see that. But, but often, these other countries, you'll see a lot of deformities. Um, you know, arms that are just this long, or legs that are shortened, and you'll see the very apparent uh, inabilities. It's not like they don't want to work, literally, physically, they can't. That was this man. And everybody knew him. They'd walk by, knew him by name, say hello to him, maybe help him out enough to get through the day, maybe to get through the week. And as Peter comes by, it was that same anticipation. You know, it's like alms for the poor. And Peter, instead of giving him anything, most likely had nothing, but it says, listen, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it tells us immediately the strength came into his legs. And he jumped up immediately, ran in to those people that knew him. And he is jumping up and down. He was not a Baptist. He's jumping up and down, praising God publicly, coming unglued, and all of a sudden everybody's like, what just happened? This is, this is not natural. So Peter comes in. James came, comes in, and sure enough, they start looking at them like, wow, it's like the gods are with us. You have these special powers, and right away, as we see in this text, Peter creates the atmosphere. You're looking at us, like our own holiness or our own abilities and powers has made this man whole? Oh, no, 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 no. That's not it. Now, I love it because here's the setting. And these are opportunities that we as Christians have. We're, we're sometimes thrown into these situations, and, and we have an opportunity to share what's really going on. Most sadly, TV evangelists right there would say, yes, I've got this great ability and power. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about. 
It's about Christ. And so right away, the attention goes off of the apostles and goes right onto the one who has sent them. The authority. I want you to remember that. One with the real authority. So this one with the great authority is Jesus Christ. And he says, it is not us, men of Israel, but realize that this is the one who has sent us out. Let's read it. Verse number 12 we're going to pick up. Peter saw it. He answers unto the people. I want you to notice the setting. You men of Israel. Now, even though Israel was being targeted at this time period with the gospel, does not mean that we cannot understand even as Gentiles in the church some things about this all. And it is a principle of the gospel that we're going to be learning today, death as well as resurrection, and who Jesus really is. So he says to the men of Israel, in particular, those who at this point only have the Old Testament scripture. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John isn't invented yet. The rest of the New Testament, through the Revelation, it's not in their laps yet. The only thing that they have to go by are the Old Testament scriptures. So he's looking at these in the, in the temple and saying and addressing, in particular, those who would know the scriptures, those who would know the Old Testament. Why are you marveling at this? What he's saying is, you should have known this was coming. Why are you all of a sudden surprised because something miraculous has taken place? Don't you know your Bible? Don't you know what the scriptures have been saying? And haven't you thought about all of these things being fulfilled? And by the way, it does marvel us sometimes of how even Christians marvel at what God is doing. Well, don't you know it in the Bible? It's here. And so he says, why look ye so earnestly on us? That as though by, now notice this, our own power or our own holiness that we have made this man to walk. By the way, it's interesting the words that he uses here. It is not only strength, but sometimes people actually believe that because they are personally so close to God that they're, they're just about waiting for an opening in the Trinity, that they think they're so holy that they are the ones by which they perform things. If there is anybody close to the Lord Jesus Christ, it was Peter, and he says, it's not by anything found within me, period. And this will help you folks in a day and an age where there is so much confusion of what's going on in our charismatic background in America that the confusion is there. Folks, read the scriptures. Analyze and compare, as 1 John chapter 4 tells us, compare these who are saying they're doing it as, as, as for God versus the spirit by which Peter and the other apostles did it. It'll clarify who they really are and why what their motives really are. It is not his own abilities. It is not his own holiness. Instead, he says, it is the God. Verse number 13. Follow me. The God. So now he's going to go to the Old Testament saints that were the patriarchs to say it is Abraham, it is Isaac, and it is Jacob from which the 12 tribes of Israel come into being. He's got their attention. So he says, the God of our fathers, he goes right away, has glorified, magnified in the sight of all people, his own son, one son, his name is Jesus. There's not a play on words here either, he's just not throwing words out. Because the word Jesus, the Israelites are thinking that I know this name. 
comes from the Old Testament, Joshua, which name means Jehovah is salvation. So now we would pronounce it Jesus, that he is the source of salvation. There's times he says Jesus of Nazareth or another way, but he is tying together, follow me, the Son of God, the Father, with this very one Jesus that they are about to explain who he is. Whom, now notice, you, Israel, delivered up. So it is as though you began to take this form. Yeah, Rome, the soldiers were there, no doubt, to do arresting. But, but Israel, you denied, you denied him in the presence of Pilate. And that scene that we have at the Passion Play, and Brad does such a wonderful job at, trying to show that it was Israel, because they, have, they, they could have had the chance to say, okay, you didn't find anything worthy of killing him? Man, that's too bad. We'll get him another day. wasn't going to happen, because there was an appointed time for the Lord Jesus Christ to die. And it's because Christ is our Passover. It was all timely when Jesus Christ was giving up his life. So he goes on and tells them verse number 14. But you, Israel, you denied the Holy One and just. And we will fly through that. And I read this a few times this week. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm just finishing up the book of Isaiah myself in, in my devotions. And as I was reading through there, Every time the word or phrase, Holy One, came up, I started to highlight that in my Bible. And I started to think as I was reading this again, weren't there some really identified things about, in Israel's mind, that phrase, Holy One? Now here God is showing through Peter, He is identifying the Son, Jesus, as the Just One, but also the Holy One. And I, we'd fly through that. But this is really, really meaningful, especially in the mind of the Jew. Because the Holy One in the Old Testament identifies somebody. Let's look at a couple of those verses. Isaiah chapter 54. That's in the Old Testament. Right before Jeremiah, that's where I'm at now. Isaiah chapter 54, look at verse number 5. Isaiah 54 verse 5. Talking to Israel, for thy maker is thine husband. So there's the relationship between God the Father and Israel in the Old Testament. Notice, the Lord of hosts is his name. One of those names, now notice, for the Messiah is that he is the Lord of hosts. Next name. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be what? Called. So, when we think of names of Jesus Christ, we see that he is the Holy One. He is the Redeemer, the one that buys back. He is the one that is the Lord of hosts. And as Creator, we were reminded of Hebrews, where he tells us that God who in sundry and in diverse manners in, in times past has spoken unto us by the, the, uh, the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, 
whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he did one thing, he says, made the worlds. This whole universe, folks, was made by this one who was Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. He is creator of all things. We need to worship Jesus Christ because he is creator. And this is his name. Now go back to chapter 49 of Isaiah. Verse 7. Isaiah 49, verse 7. I love this first phrase, thus saith the Lord. Great phrase in the Old Testament. It is as though this is dogma. You can, you can write it down and know this is an absolute assurance that it is a phrase and something truth, some truth is coming from God himself. Thus saith the Lord. The Redeemer of Israel, that's Jesus. And his Holy One, also Jesus. Now notice this. To him whom man despiseth. To him whom the nation abhorreth. Next, to a servant of rulers. Now pause right there. What he's describing in the Holy One, the Redeemer, is that man was going to despise him as a prophecy. That he is going to be the one who is abhorred by all people, all nations. You'll remember that it was not just the Israelite people, but even the soldiers that spat upon him, hit him, mocked him, saying, Ah, oh, so you're such a great king. Why don't you, if you're a great prophet, why don't you tell us who, who's hitting you? Yeah, we'll believe on you. All a mockery. They absolutely couldn't wait for his life to be wasted. He came... As a servant, he came unto his own, his own people and, and placed himself underneath. Whether you look at the Caesar at that time period, he paid his taxes. He placed himself under. Now follow me. Even though he is creator of all. Then he goes on and says, not only a servant of rulers, but kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel. He shall choose thee. So when we think about, as we talked about last week, He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, all that are in authority will one day bow down before this exact anointed one that was despised by all people, abhorred by all nations. And Peter leans over the pulpit and says, Men of Israel, you didn't see this one coming? The Holy One. Remember that phrase? The Holy One? And now, folks, we who are here, we now have in our minds who the Holy One is. Every one of us in this room are now accountable for the information, the stewardship that we now have of who the Holy One is. Because every knee will bow to this Holy One. We will recognize Him as Creator of all. And whether man wants to come up with their own opinions of Jesus Christ to say, He is created, not Creator. 
He's just a glorified being, just this great angel or this great teacher. My friend, you're missing the point today. And that's what he's trying to do is break Israel down. To break these people down and say, listen, the Holy One came. The Holy One. The One that's been prophesied over and over again in Isaiah, and you missed it. You despise Him. You want Him to die. Go back now to Acts. I want you to see some play on words that He gives between verse 14 and 15 now. But you denied the Holy One, the innocent, the just One. And who did you desire? You desired a murderer. You took God and said, let's kill him. And let's take this guy who we know has been found out to be a murderer, Barabbas. And let's go ahead and let him go free. By the way, some irony there, isn't there? The Christ gave his life for the guilty. The just for the unjust that he might bring us all to God. Then he goes on and says, verse 14, to bring this whole to get thing together, but you denied the Holy One, just desired a murder to be granted unto you, and killed the prince of, what's the next word? Isn't it interesting that the murderer who took life was released, the prince of life had to be murdered. Folks, that's what Jesus did for you and I. We were guilty. He is innocent. And yet He died for us to bring you and I to Himself. As I mentioned last night, He is our bridge. We are separated by sin. Christ, the Redeemer, took care of that on the cross to bridge our relationship with God. Also, the prince. The word prince has to do with a word of authority. It has to do with the word of one who is a commander or one who originated this all. He is the, remember the phrase, author and finisher of our faith? Remember that? It's the exact same Greek word. The author, the originator, the commander, the, the one that's in charge of it all that started it. Here, the originator, the commander of life, you took him and you killed him. If I were there in that audience and I remember that day in that trial and I remembered crucify him away with this man, let Barabbas be released unto us, I would have gone, oh no. Guilt. But I want you to notice how he brings this down. But you have killed the prince of life. It's okay because God has raised him from the dead. And that's this day. He is risen as he said. There was Adam in the Old Testament but brought death. But the second Adam through him, one for all, brought life. 1 Corinthians 15. As an Adam, 
all die. But as in this one, Jesus Christ, we are all made alive through faith and believing in him. So all of this was God's plan. Remember, folks, God doesn't wing it. This death didn't take God by surprise. He had it all prophesied about. They came to Jesus in his life and said, okay, show us a sign. Show us any kind of a sign. I give you a sign. I give you a sign. There was this guy that was swallowed up in a, in a fish, and three days later he came out. There's your sign. Resurrection. Christ knew this was going to happen. He even told his men, he said, now listen guys, they're going to take me, and they're going to, they're going to kill me, and it's okay because three days later I'm going to rise from the dead, and the disciples were all hung up on the first part, the death part. And he's like, guys, it's okay. I'm going to rise from the dead. And as we see in the scriptures, he says, you destroy this temple, and three days later, I will raise it up again. And we see here that God raised him from the dead. You say, well, who actually did it? God did. <laughs> you can see even Romans in chapter number 8, that the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you. So the spirit of God is part of this whole resurrection too. It's like God did it, because it can't happen just by nature. It happens because of a miracle. And then he says, we are witnesses. We are witnesses. We are witnesses to this resurrection. We saw him. I love the day and age that we live in. The stir amongst Christians about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in the air is just a buzz everywhere. Everywhere I, I mean, people from other churches that I run into, it's not long until they're saying, think he's coming soon? <laughs> we live in a really neat day. That day that we're talking about, boy, would I have loved to have lived then. Could you have imagined standing and looking at the cross, seeing Jesus hanging there, them dragging him off and placing him in a tomb. And as we know what the disciples did, their heads are hung. And Peter says, boys, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to the old career. It's over. Jesus told them, guys, I'm going to rise from the dead. Even the Pharisees, everybody said, you know, he talked about this three days later, this resurrection is going to happen. We can't have this happen. Bind it. Seal that tomb. Don't let them out of there like a seal is going to keep them down. And the disciples are like, oh man, this is such a horrible time. They should have been waiting here, just looking, waiting for it to happen. And yet they were all boo-hooing and going about their business. And he rose as he said. Now after the resurrection, it's interesting how Jesus needed to go to them. That usually is the way it works. Man doesn't seek God. God has to seek after man. And so sure enough, they're out going through their business. And he comes to them one time on the shore, you know, and other places. He appeared to them in the upper room. Thomas, man, he's like, I ain't going to believe unless I see him. The guys are like, we saw him. I wasn't there. You're you like a Thomas? Unless you've seen, you won't believe. One of the disciples was the exact same way. So finally when he appears to them, can you imagine their fear?
Jesus? Wouldn't it be neat if we, there's one of those things I'd love to see too, the resurrection standing before the disciples, you know, I hope they show that stuff in heaven someday, just to see their faces. <gasps> I mean, I'm sure like they stopped breathing, heart missed a few beats, you know, I mean, so it's like, how could you, what, I just, you, it doesn't make any sense here. And then it's like, and we doubted. You're here, you said you were, and you are. Thomas did it the best. Maybe some year we'll put this into the play because it is so powerful, the reaction of Thomas. Because when he finally then appears the next time the disciples, and he knew what Thomas was saying, I'm not going to believe unless I see, unless I touch his hands, you know, put it aside. And, and Jesus like, here it is, boys. Thomas, I'm here. He didn't need to touch him, by the way. He just does one thing. He falls down before him, and he says these words. Now remember these. My Lord and my God. The resurrection proves the deity of Christ. And only Christians get excited about that. Because the world is like, whatever. No, we're, we're building a case here for you. We're helping you realize something. Because if this is true in your mind, and I remember the first time I heard the gospel, thinking, if that's really, really true, then that's something I need to look into. But I didn't believe right away. It took me a while. You know, I'm, I'm a little slow. And it takes me a little while, like a lot of us guys. We have to see it and see it and see it until it finally makes perfect sense. And so he says, guess what? We are witnesses. We have seen the risen Christ. So therefore, we are witnesses to the very words of God. It's interesting, in the same chapter, look at the last part of verse number 21. His holy prophets since the world began, verse 22, Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God, I love the words, raise up, unto you of your brethren. Drop down to verse 24, yea, and all the prophets, even from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. There was another man, because they kept on, they wouldn't, they wouldn't quit. I mean, these guys would not quit talking about Jesus and the resurrection. And all the, the Pharisees and everybody, you know, religious leaders, they're getting so mad. And it wasn't because this poor guy who was lame was now walking around. But all, all they're upset about is these guys keep talking about this resurrection. That's what upset them. Because if, yeah, Jesus died, well, that's, that message is going to be over quick. But they keep talking about him being alive. Let it go, they're thinking. Why keep throwing this up in our face? And so sure enough, they do. There was another time after they beat him everything, they're, they're bringing him in. There's this man by the name of Gamaliel. And this is over in chapter number five. And what he says about this whole death and resurrection thing is this. Okay, these guys are going around all the sides of the mountains and into the temples and, and everywhere, the tabernacle, excuse me, the, the uh, uh, places of worship, and they're going in, and they're, they keep talking about Jesus and this crazy resurrection, talking about Israel. So, verse number 37, we're going to pick up. And after this man, he talked, excuse me, I need to go just a little bit before this. Verse 36, for before these days rose up, 
uh, Theodos, boasting himself to be somebody of whom the number of men, about 400, joined themselves who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered, and they came to nothing, brought to naught. And then after this man uh, rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing and drew many people after him, and he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, they were dispersed, they went their own way. Verse 38, and I'm saying to you, refrain from these men, that's the disciples, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, what's going to happen to it? Same thing. It's just going to disappear. Folks, we're dealing with almost 2,000 years later that we are gathered here this day to celebrate one thing. Jesus died and he rose again from the dead. So if it's, if it's a, a man, if it's man-made, they're, they're all going to disperse. Now notice verse 39. Prophetically he says, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God himself. Wow, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? You realize how many people have tried to put away the word of God? Do you realize how many people have read the Bible to try to discredit it? There are people who are great historians who looked at the scriptures as just another book about history and have gone in to try to disprove the word of God and try to find errors and after reading and meditating on it became believers themselves. This is not just a book, folks. And this is not just a myth. This really happened. And since this really happened, these who were witnesses of the death and the resurrection of Christ took the very words of the Old Testament and began to be a witness of the very words. Secondly, they began to be a witness to the very changed life that Christ makes inside of all believers. So they see this man healed, which is the evidence of the Messiah's work. What happens to you and I is this. When we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, a new work begins to happen inside of our lives. These po folks that got saved Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they didn't even know what hit them yet. When I got saved, I didn't know what hit me. All that I knew is, what is going on with me now? I don't think the same way anymore. What happens is this. We get the Holy Spirit inside of us. We get the Spirit of God indwelling us that begins to affect the mind that affects what we want to do in our actions. And all of a sudden, you want to go to church? Yeah. Want to go to church? Why? I don't know. I want to go to church. I don't want to miss something. Before long, all these habits start to change. And I'm looking out at some of you because I've seen some of you get saved here. And I'm seeing you're smiling because they're like, yep. Now, some of us who have been saved for a long time, we, we kind of forget all those things. But when you first got saved, it was like everything was so exciting back then. Remember learning about the rapture? I'm like, man, this is how I walked. <laughs> Just waiting, you know? Couldn't wait for it. 
You know, with all these things are starting to come into scriptures and you're learning and you start learning about prayer and then you get specific in your prayer and you remember some of those first big prayers that were answered? It's like, wow, this is so awesome. And people start coming up and saying, what happened to you? Get religion, did you? Well, not exactly religion, but would you like me to tell you about what I got? By the way, that's all Paul did. Started telling people about what he got. It's Christ. And it starts to change everything from within. I love the songwriter. He says, you know how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. And no matter what man may do to the body, it cannot change what has happened to the heart. Because our commander-in-chief, the prince of life, has come in and I have, now have life that no man can take away. It's eternal life. And so that's why the last point is that we will be the witnesses to the resurrection. We are witnesses to the resurrection. You say, you keep saying the word witness. I know I do. There's a reason I keep saying the word witness. I don't know if you do know, do not, whether you know or not where this word comes from, and there's different ways that we can see it. In a legal sense, we know what a witness is. I was there, I saw this guy hit this guy or shoot this guy, and I am a witness to this. You also have a historical sense. Yeah, I was there, I was at that game, and I saw that game where, you know, Penn State beat Notre Dame. Yeah, I was a witness. Yeah, yes, yeah, sir, you know. But this one is different witness. This is a witness, one who after his example proves his genuineness of their faith, the genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. The word witness in the scriptures is where we get our word martyr, if you didn't know that. We are witnesses. We are martyrs to this very thing. By the way, in chapter 12, James is beheaded because of this message. Peter thrown in jail. Some historians teach that he was hung upside down on the cross because he did not feel worthy to be hung the same way that Jesus was. So he said, put me upside down as I die on the cross. Paul also in Rome. The list goes on with these men who are willing to be witnesses to the point even if necessary, death for the gospel. Folks, every time we have somebody going from this church to be a witness, and we pray that they have a good witness, remember what it means. That when we go into Haiti, Lord willing, later on this year, we are going there to be a witness. Uh, talking to Dave the other day, when uh, we were going into uh, Venezuela, we flew down to Puerto Ayacucho, and while we were there, right next to, to Colombia, a lot of times where the guerrillas are at, that we read about, some were many times kidnapped from that area, and he was talking to somebody, he said, y'all were nuts going down there. You could have been taken. As soon as they find out a couple of white missionaries are down there, that's called money in the bank. And if we can't get any money, we'll just kill them. 
We knew that. We know that. We know that. It's okay. We are to be witnesses. And we've got a room here filled with believers. And there has to be a choice that we make in our lives is that we become a witness to the resurrection of Christ no matter what it takes. Because it seems in the scriptures and historically, when people give their lives for a cause, it becomes a reality. That it begins to spread rather than shrink. Because if it's of man, it'll die and go away. But if it be of God, and this is, no man can fight against it. No man will quench his fire. It will continue until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ coming for His church and we are snatched away. We are to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. Amen? You want to sign up? You want to get in on this? Get saved. And you are part of the army of God. Christ being the Prince of Life the author and commander of it all, and we follow the Christ. And we will be witnesses. And when Jesus said to them in Acts chapter 1, ye shall be witnesses. How prophetic now that come, becomes in our minds. And there may be some in this room that shall be witnesses. Father, bless this invitation. It is yours. And I pray, Lord, that you will bless the reading of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us all to be a witness. Now, Lord, this is your invitation. And I pray that if there are any here that do not know Christ as Savior, that today will be the day of salvation. And I pray, Lord, that you'll use this time, Holy Spirit, to have your perfect will done. In Jesus' name. Now, heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning, there's a full house here. And I want to make this as simple as I possibly can for you this day. If you are here and say, Pastor Carl, I know right now as I am seated here that I am not a Christian. I have not personally believed in Jesus Christ. And as you described Him, the Holy One, I've not really ever believed in Him as my Savior. And I know right now I want to call on Him I want to invite him into my heart to save me and to give that eternal life because I know I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus died. I believe he rose again from the dead. I am, I am this day inviting him into my heart to be my personal Savior. If you are like that, I want you to tell this to God. To say, dear God, I know right now that in your sight I am a sinner. And I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. That His blood was shed for me. I believe in my heart that He rose from the dead. And I now, Lord, take You as my Savior. Save me from my sin. And give me eternal life. That one day when I die or You return, I will be with You in heaven. If you're here and say, Pastor Carl, from my heart, I just prayed that to God and I truly, truly meant it. Nobody's looking at me out of testimony to me so I can pray for you continually. Will you lift your hand? Anybody else? 
you prayed that, trusted the Lord as your Savior this morning, looking up in the balcony already. Now, Father, for the decisions that have been made this day, we thank you. I pray you will bless. In Jesus' name, amen.